This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 4 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host, well co-host Ben and I'm joined by Gary as ever. How are we doing? Hello Ben, yeah I'm not too bad mate. I, th- I think I'm in a better... Uh... Better condition than you, aren't I? <laughs> yes, indeed. I am. Uh, I am slightly broken at the moment. I've uh, I've come down with the dreaded man flu, um, and yeah, it's all it's all fun and games at the moment. But uh, I think it coincided actually with with the game on Saturday, which we'll we'll jump straight into talking about. Um, obviously, you know, going down at the weekend one nil to to Crawley uh, was not really the result that either of us I think had expected. Um, although saying that when we got to the ground, I, I you know, we, we sort of bumped into each other before the game and, and I said to you at the time, like something doesn't feel right about today. It, you know, it was obviously raining and it was a bit, uh, a bit dreary, but it just felt really flat before the game even kicked off. And then that sort of continued all the way through, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I mean, Danny, Danny's kind of talked since about complacency and, um, yeah, maybe we'll touch on that a little bit as well. But it, there was an odd feeling before, and I don't think the weather helped particularly. You know, it was a little bit dreary and overcast. And if you were harbouring some germs, I think we got a little wet and then you ate something that I, I'm not sure was ever intended to go into the human body, if I'm honest. But everyone else <laughs> seems to enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a little bit odd. I mean, I, I had quite a nice build-up to the game. I'm part of the... Um, the Matadors uh, group that sponsor Matt Reed, so I kind of got to go on the pitch and um, meet, uh, <coughs> excuse me, meet Matt Reed, have my photo taken, which was nice. And obviously, Ian Plenderlith was there, who's a, a good friend of mine, which is where we were stood blocking his store for a while. So yeah. I kind of I didn't notice it as much, um, but quite a few people said something doesn't feel right, which is odd because you know. It was a full house. All the fans were there. Apart from the fact it was a little bit cloudy, it was no different to any other day. Um, I personally think there was too much pre-match hype around Ollie Palmer. And I think we were basing everything that Crawley were going to offer kind of around Ollie Palmer. I think I touched on it in the in the cast last week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing I think we're in danger of that I'm, I'm going to kind of leave a little bit of it to you is, is, is dissecting it too much. Because I think... 
we actually didn't play any better or any worse than we did against Berry. Um, and and in that game, obviously we you know we, we went behind and we bounced back. Had John Akindi gone for his gilt-edged chance with his right foot, which is what what they teach you when you're six or seven, I think, um, <clears throat> then possibly we would have been one 0 up, and that would have been game over. I don't think Crawley would have got back into it. Yeah. They didn't have as many <clears throat> chances either. So, I mean, was that was that your general feeling? Yeah, I, I think really that it was one of those games where you think, well, the first goal will settle this game. Um, and unfortunately, like you say, Akindi missed the, uh, the the golden chance. And I mean, I think you, you said it quite well in your you know in your piece after the game that although people say we looked a little bit better after uh, you know after Freck got sent off, I think it was. Um, I, I don't think we looked like scoring, and I don't think they did. I think one nil on the balance of it was was a very fair result. Um, I just think it was unfortunate in the way that, uh, um, you know, obviously Bozzy getting a, you know, getting an own goal. I think he's probably the only person on the planet that could score an own goal and still get man of the match. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I was disappointed. Um, I came away from the game, uh, really just annoyed at how, uh, how there wasn't really any, there wasn't any urgency. There wasn't any uh, get up and go from from people throughout the game, um, and it seeped into the stands as well. I think it, it, the atmosphere seemed very flat on Saturday. I know there's been a bit of you know toing and froing um, on on social media about you know whose fault that was, but ultimately, I think if there's something going on on the pitch and you know it gives you something to shout about, then you'll get up you know you'll, you'll get invested in it but ultimately it was just it was a very disappointing ap- uh, afternoon all round on Saturday and I think um yeah I, I don't think there's too much more to say in, on it you know like you said I don't think we need to overanalyze it I think um my initial response we'll, we'll, we'll talk briefly about the, the the red card my initial response to that was I thought it was harsh but then after looking back at it I thought yeah all right fair enough um I think the reason I thought it was harsh is because the Crawley player because uh, Connolly made an awfully big deal out of it, and uh, I think you know it, if he'd not have if he'd have not have he'd gone down like he was shot, then maybe the ref could have potentially given a, a a lenient yellow. But the fact that he was you know essentially doing his best Neymar impression at that point was was disappointing to see. But then at the same time, you know we'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, look, 10 years ago, that's a yellow card. 20 years ago, it's a good tackle and, and Lee Frecklington gets a pat on the back. In this day and age, the second you raise your studs to be pointing at a player, you're in serious danger of getting a red card. Um, I think Freck was probably a little bit upset because, you know, he, he just overrun his first touch a little bit. And he, look, I mean, he got sent off and he's, he's kind of, he's received some negative press because of it. But I actually thought that, in the early knockings of the second half, I thought Freck was the one that looked like he might produce something. I mean, I think he's been excellent this season. Yeah. Um, and I think it was it, it was just a little bit unfortunate that he's overrun it. He, he's obviously a passionate man. He, he's leapt in. I don't think he's actually touched a player. I think when you look at the replay and the photos, I, I, I think he's gone kind of, his foot's gone through the gap in his legs. He's then collided with the player, but because his foot's up, the referee's seen it in real time. It's a red card. Um, yeah. But I mean, it, let's not focus entirely on the negatives. And I think that's perhaps a hard thing to say when you've you've lost 1-0 to a team that, let's be entirely honest, that they, they weren't great, Crawley. I mean, they, they no. have Oli Palmer as their number nine. And I, <laughs> I don't care if he scored five goals. I don't care one little bit. He missed a diving header in the second or th- whatever first half that he should have 
buried from three yards out. He was trying to win a penalty all game. He didn't win ahead of his crap. And if if that's their number nine, if they finish anywhere above mid table, I'll be shocked. Now, yeah, turning- I mean, I, just just quickly touching on yeah. that, um, I, th- I think yeah, the fact that you know, obviously we had a Grant Smith had a moment early on. Um, of obviously Ollie, you know, it, Ollie, uh, you know, made a very blatant dive to try and win a, a penalty within the first minute. Um, then, as I say, Grant Smith got the ball and, and tried to tried to run it out a little bit. Uh, a little bit reminiscent of uh, of uh, um, Liverpool's new uh, new keeper the other week, and I just thought, is that please don't let him do it. And to be honest, I think if you're a better striker, if you're a better player, you take that chance and you you know you, you nick it off the keeper and you score. Fortunately for us, it was Ollie Palmer, and you know I think you said in your your, your piece after the game, you know he showed all of the the, uh, the finishing ability that you seem to remember him having for us, um, and that was again the uh, the case with the with the header, which. He dived straight over and it hit his arm and went out for a uh, goal kick. So, yeah, I think if they had if they had a better uh, couple of players up front, we would have potentially gone down even more on Saturday. But I, th- I think, yeah, 1-0 was fair. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at the positives as well, I thought Bozzi and um, Shackle were brilliant. And yeah, it's, it's hard to say anybody's been brilliant in a, in a game like that, but their goal was a a fluke. I mean, you know, this isn't me being an apologist. It isn't me trying to make excuses. It was a it was a freak goal that nine times out of ten goes over or out for a corner or, or away, and it went in. I think had that not happened, it had nil nil written all over it, and that was testament to the fact that, that Shackle and Boswick are growing in confidence as a pairing. Um, I think possibly with with Freck having been sent off, um, it, it's likely that Bosley will step forward into midfield. Certainly with Wharton waiting in the wings. But yeah. certainly at centre half, we we are solid, um, and and that gives us plenty plenty of positives going forward. I mean, we didn't look like conceding, not really. We didn't concede against Exeter. You take the cup games out of it. You know, we didn't concede at Port Vale. We didn't concede at Northampton, and all good teams start by not conceding goals. And I, I I don't care how many nice forwards you've got. I don't care. I mean, you look at Aston Villa in the championship. They've got loads of great players going forward, but they can't defend. And if they score three, they're likely to concede four. If you're not likely to concede any, and you've got goals from all over the pitch like we have, you're not going to yeah. draw very many blanks and you, you're not going to lose very many games. And it was just one of those. I think it's, I hate, and I said it in it, and I hate the saying, we go again. At the end of the day, you, you chalk that one up. You just go, look, we've lost. We've lost the game. Everyone loses games. You go on to Macclesfield, yeah. which is where we're leading to now, and you put it behind you. Yeah, I think that's a good a good spot to to put it behind us. I think, um, uh, yeah, the last word on it, I think, like you say, is is that it was a bad day. Everybody loses games, you know, unless you're Arsenal in in that you know that uh, fateful season way back when when they became the Invincibles everyone's going to lose a game and we could lose games to, you know, we could lose games to Forest Green. We could lose to, you know, Macclesfield on Saturday. We could lose to Crawley. We could lose to any team in this division on, on a day. You know, I think it's, um, it's a testament to the division as to just how varied it is and, you know, how, how strong, a how unpredictable a division it is. I don't want to say strong because the opponents on Saturday are, um, um, mm interesting in in Macclesfield so <laughs> um yeah i i don't know really where to begin on on Macclesfield obviously you know they've they came up um last season and, and we've got the 
uh you know we've got the sort of kind of the shared history um with that and obviously you know we we had the the game where we won to to take us up to the uh, up to the football league again but they haven't set anything on fire this season apart from maybe their own faces i'm guessing um <laughs> they've just not been impressive at all um only taken two points so far they've the um only above the imploding Notts county uh in in the table and i i can't really see where we're going to get or where they're going to get points from and it it's it's almost the perfect uh the perfect target to springboard back from because obviously we've had a disappointing result and i think ultimately we need to uh, we need to bounce back and i think if we go back with the same mentality that we we took to um exeter i think we'll we'll come away with a healthy win at the weekend and and bump up our uh, our goal difference again yeah, we certainly should do. I mean, you know, as um, as usual, before I've come on the the pod, I've done a little bit of research on Macclesfield. I was running my eye down their down their stats, down their names, and one name really jumped out at me, which was Elliot Durrell. Now, Durrell played for Chester, I believe, um, in the season that we went up, uh, and I really liked Durrell. I thought he was good on the ball. Uh, I thought he he, he had um, he had a little bit about him. Uh, he hasn't kicked a ball as yet for Macclesfield. He's one of only two players that I can see in their squad that, that hasn't had any form of involvement at all. When you look down some of the other names, I mean, probably one of their key players is Kobe Arthur, which I think is a name yep. that obviously we're familiar with. Um, yep. Arthur looks like he's yeah he, he's had a few shots. Um, he wins a few free kicks. He's yeah he, he's busy enough in the centre of the park. He's their leading scorer and he's got two goals. When you look up front, uh, they've got Harry Smith, 21 shots, one goal. Got Danny Whitaker, 15 shots, one goal. They've got Nathan Blissett. Now, Nathan Blissett was one of the worst footballers I've seen in Lincoln City shirt. He tried, but he was so limited. Um, and, and they were pinning their hopes on him as well. So they're very they're lacking up front. There's a potential. They've got a lad coming called Jordan Ponte, uh, Ponticelli, who's on loan, I think, from Coventry. Um, and they've also got uh, Peter Vincenzi, who or Vincenti, who was at Coventry last season, who, who were looking at providing the bullets out wide. Now they've only played three games between them, so they could be an unknown quantity. But just looking through the squad, it's incredibly thin on real talent. I mean, Jamie Grimes at the back's not a bad player, um, but he's a centre half there in seven appearances. Uh, he's committed six fouls and three against. Now, for me, you know, centre halves. If you're committed and you're, you're battling hard, you're committing you're committing a foul a game, and that's not, you know, not widely accepted as a positive. But if I see a player committing a certain amount of fouls, you at least know that he's getting stuck in. Especially if he keeps playing, you know, he's not a liability. Um, I I do I worry. Well, I say I worry for Macclesfield. I don't. I can't give a toss about them at the weekend. Um, obviously, it's all about us. Um, <laughs> It does have banana skin written all over it, but I tell you something: if we were to lose this game, then there might just be one or two questions um, start rattling around the place. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, the the dearth in quality is is kind of shown off by their league position, and I think uh, the, the the thing about you know questions being asked, I think I. I hope it doesn't get to that point. And to be honest, I really don't think we, we will need to start asking those questions. But um, I think the fact is that, you know, we are, we're, we're in a very strong position at the moment. And I think uh, Macclesfield, well, they just aren't. Um, I, I can't really see, 
you know, as easy as it is for me to sit here and say that, I, I genuinely can't see them getting anything from the game. Um, and it, it's like you say, you know, they, they've probably got one or two gems in there that, you know, are probably shining through, but the rest of it, it's, it doesn't seem like they've had the investment that they needed after coming up um, from the National League. And, you know, obviously when we came up, we, we, we invested in the right places. We didn't spend huge amounts of money over that close season. But now it's like, okay, well, we've we've brought in the right people in the right places. And I think the fact is that, you know, we, we had a squad with players that were too good for the National League when we were in there. Um, and we've we've brought in players, you know, in addition to them, the, the ones that we kept. The, obviously, you know, we've got players that took us to the, to the playoffs last season. Um, the fact that Macclesfield haven't done that and the fact that they haven't, um, they haven't really put players in the you know the, the right pegs and the right holes for, for want of a better phrase it's one of those things that makes me just think right well you know this game's there for the taking on Saturday and I honestly think if we don't come away with anything like you say I, I don't really like the phrase questions will be asked because it, it seems to imply that there might be you know some people might be calling for heads and things like that and obviously <laughs> we know we're Lincoln you know we know we're Lincoln City fans we know that that's that's a ridiculous thing to say but there will be people if you know if we lose two on the trot to teams that ultimately we should be beating um i just i yeah it's going to be silly if we if we do but like i say i don't think we're going to be in that position i think we're going to going to come away from saturday with a healthy win behind us um you know maybe a couple of goals for for uh, for john akindi to get his confidence back up because i think just to dip back into saturday again i i was very I was a little bit upset to see his performance because I think um, we've been, I think we've been, you know, staunch defenders of the man really. Um, but ultimately I think the way that he was on Saturday, I know he was sort of kept out of the game a lot of it, but there were moments where the ball was coming, you know, coming up to him and he, he maybe needed to take two or three steps to head it, but he just didn't. And I think, well, that's where the complacency that Danny talked about came in. And I, I think, you know, like you said um, on the, on the blog, you know, it seemed that he'd, he'd been taking steps forward over the past few weeks and it seemed like Saturday he took two big ones back. So hopefully on the, you know, this coming Saturday, we can, he can put that behind him and, and get a few goals and fingers crossed, you know, put us well ahead or put us three points clear again at the top of the table and put himself at the top of the goal scoring charts. Yeah, I think I'm just picking up on something um, that you were saying there about when Macclesfield came out of the National League as well. I think um, the, the two ish, the two teams, us and them, were were so wildly contrasting when we came out of the uh, out of the basement division or out of the, the trap door, so to speak. I mean, we came out on the crest of a wave where you know, 9,000 um, fans, we'd had the FA Cup, we're on, we had a very good squad, we had managers who were committed um, and there was investment as well. Clive was had come in and you know we were getting additional investment on board and, and there was a really weird wave of positivity. I think with Macclesfield, they actually surprised themselves when they came up. I mean, I think part of their... Um, their national league winning team got. I think they were they were stuffed something like six one at filed, I believe, around Christmas. Um, and uh, you know, it, it really surprised me when they went on to still win the league. John Askey left. They were skint anyway. They were skint when they came up. Um, they don't get big crowds. I, I respect them for what they do. Yeah, you know, they 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 put nice tough teams together. They they battle hard, and you know, never more so than in '98 at the Battle of Moss Rose, which is one trip to Macclesfield I'll never ever forget. So they're you know they're a hard team, and we have that link with them with Keith and with Butch. But 
other than that, the similarities end there. I tipped them pre-season for relegation. I just didn't see where they had the quality or the means to survive in in what is a brave new football league. This is a very different football league to when they and they dropped out of it and when we did. Um, and I don't want to say I expect a comfortable victory, but when your main striker who's played all seven games, started all seven games, is 37 years old, it does just, I think, underline the difference when... You know, at the moment, Matt Green can't get kicked for us. So it'll be, I'll say it'll be an interesting game. It won't. It'll be an afternoon which I spend absolutely terrified until we actually score, if we actually score. (laughs) It's the way it goes, you know. It's the same against Crawley. We can do all the talking, all the arguing beforehand. But when that game kicks off at three o'clock on a Saturday, it's 11 players versus 11. Don't matter where they've been, don't matter who they are. Anyone can beat anyone on the day. We proved that when we beat Burnley. Crawley proved it when they beat us. It happens all the time. And that's the beauty of football. We could sit here yeah. then and do an eight-hour podcast dissecting every fine piece about who does what and where. Please don't do an eight-hour podcast. I feel really, really poorly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I don't think people could listen to me or you for eight hours. <laughs> I think we'd have to drop a song in or two. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's where I am on the on the Macclesfield game. It, I, it it's just another step. It's another. It's the most important match until it's gone. Um, I'd like to see us win, and I, I think we've got the quality to go and do it. To be honest, yeah. So yeah, I think that's 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 fair enough. I think looking forward to looking forward to Saturday. Um, I think that the like I said, the smart money's on getting a win. Um, I just hope we can, you know, bounce back and make it emphatic enough to uh, to to put Saturday behind us, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on from from the the preview. Um, well, dare I ask for a score prediction? No, I don't think so. I don't, I, I'm not going to uh, because. <laughs> Sorry, Ben, to disappoint you. Um, I, That's all right. I, I, you know, go on then. Why not? You've you've convinced me without saying anything. I felt the pressure. I'm going to say <laughs> two 0 to Lincoln. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say three. Um, I think you know Matt Green needs to get himself. Uh, there's obviously a talk at the minute. Just quickly, as a, as a quick aside to that, uh, there's a little bit of talk at the moment that Matt Green's probably still carrying an injury. Um, I think, honestly, you know, I think if we get if we get to get to Macclesfield, get him on the get him on, even if it's off the bench, and get a goal behind him again, maybe that's the case. Maybe he is he is injured at the moment. I I haven't heard either way. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd like to see him get back on the score sheet on Saturday. I'm a huge Matt Green fan. I, I think even despite signing John Akindi, I think in terms of work rate and endeavour, I think he's the best striker we've got. Might not be the most natural finisher, um, but I, I just like everything about him and. I would like, I'm not a football manager. I'm just someone that sits around talking about it and never has to back up my opinions particularly. Um, but I'd personally like to see a Kindy and Green in a nice flat 4-4-2, similar to um, the, when we played Reed and whoever played up front with Reed, Marriott or Muldoon or Robinson. You know, that was a, it was a traditional 4-4-2. Play a Kindy in the Reed role, kind of flicking it on, but don't go into him long so much, go into his feet. You get the wingers coming either side. We've got great wingers. I just, I just think Matt Green would thrive in that, playing off a of kindy, getting in the channels, getting in behind. Um, and I don't doubt that if it was a possibility that Danny would have played it because, let's face it, Danny Cowley knows football significantly better than you or I. Um, so, yeah. And funnily enough, actually, I mean, I think this is going to segue quite awkwardly into our next piece. Um, but I'm actually sat looking out in my garden at the moment 
uh, because as as you know, regular listeners know, I have an office that looks out onto the Lincolnshire Wolds, um, and I haven't seen David Flickcroft outside for a while then. That's because, Gary, he's been talking to um, Radio Mansfield or, you know, Scabs FM or whatever it's called now, um, where, yeah, he's, he's essentially, uh, I mean, you know, I'm a man that's on Twitter. I'm a man that sometimes doesn't necessarily have a filter on Twitter. Um, but I think I said that, you know, Danny, uh, Danny probably has the class to rise above it, but I don't. Um, Flickcroft basically devoted a good couple of minutes to his press conference um, to sit there and say that he was glad that his players were overcommitted um, and, you know, that he doesn't need to be intimidated by, or he doesn't feel like he's going to be intimidated by Danny Cowley. Um, he doesn't feel intimidated by the uh, by the fans, doesn't feel intimidated by the drum, by the, the air raid siren, um, and, uh, you know, doesn't really see the need for for comments like Danny's after the game, but says that there needs to be strong referees at Central Bank. Um, I would probably replace one word in that last sentence and say, you know, if there need to be strong referees, I would probably posit that there need to be competent referees at Central Bank. Um, but yeah, I mean, David Flitcroft, just wind your neck in and focus on your own team because I guarantee when we play Mansfield in the league, it will be a completely different game to the game that we saw last week. Um, and it's going to be, it'll be a team that's hungry for a win. And particularly if you're trying to, you know, wind it, you know, stir the pot and wind things up a little bit before, before we even thought about facing them in the league. So yeah. What do you, what do you think? I think when he got sat down in his Mansfield town desk on the first day and he opened the drawer, I think Steve Evans had left the how to be a complete and utter arsehole book in his top drawer. And I think he just pulled it out and read it and he's gone, actually, I'll have some of that. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Flickcroft. I think his comments were, you know, he's trying to stoke up the atmosphere already ahead of the big clash with a team to be shot down and we're going to get it. And um, to a degree, we've always had that kind of, that targeting when we were Keith Alexander's side, it was for well, you need to be strong referees, the long ball, all that sort of thing. Okay, in the conference, nobody really cared. You know, you could have turned up on a Saturday with a whistle you'd found in your Kellogg's packet, and half the time you might have refereed the game. But not now. We are one of the big clubs, um, and we, we, we do have a, a method to our play that perhaps sometimes is designed to get on the right side of referees. You know, Matt Reed is, is one who, when he does play, um, has a certain approach that referees do need to keep an eye on. I'll be the first to admit that. I don't think we're, we're outrightly dirty, but I think to a degree, you know, referees do need to be strong. I thought against Crawley, no matter what people say, I thought the referee was strong. You know, Andrade went down, he didn't give anything and they scored. Right choice. Frecklington went in hard, got sent off, right choice. To be fair, I think he got the Akindi foul right on Saturday as well. Akindi was pulled down on the edge of the area. Some people say straight red. Not for me, heading away from goal. Thought he was a decent referee. I think we get good referees anyway. Um, I don't really know why Flickcross banging on about it. I mean, when do we play them? It's got to be several weeks yet. I, I don't yeah, understand. It's a while away. I don't understand why he's doing it. He's obviously taken exception to the comments. His side were thugs. We covered it last week. Some of the challenges were horrible. 
there was an approach, I think, that was taken more with, with roughing us up and targeting certain players with some horrific tackles, you know, long while after the ball had gone. Strong referee, OK, sent Michael O'Connor off. Strong referee would have sent two or three of their lads off. Alexander McDonald would have gone for sure. So, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Wind your neck in, Flickcroft. Look at your own team. You're still mid-table. So, at the end of the day, get some wins under your belt and come back when you're in the top seven. Yeah, absolutely. And I... <sighs> It it shouldn't annoy me when you know when other managers sort of take little pot shots at the club, but it means you're doing something right. So it was just the way that at the end of it he turned around and said, you know, I'm not going to be intimidated by anybody, especially not Danny Cowley. Wow, it's like yeah, because I mean you're essentially Hulk Hogan there, mate. You know, you're you're exact. You're not exactly going to be the person that's you know intimidated by anybody. Like just just shut up. What are you what are you doing? We ought to have a quick look in our trophy cabinet and see if that intimidates him because in his two years as a manager, I think he's got the sack from Berry. Uh, he was hated at Swindon and now he's taken big spending Mansfield to 12th in the table at the minute. So um, you know, if he has a look at a couple of Danny's winner's medals, maybe he might get intimidated by silverware rather than physicality. Well, I think if he, if you know, if he saw any of our trophies, he'd just probably stare at, them, uh, stare at himself in the reflection for about half an hour and uh, tousle his hair. With, with Ben Futcher at the side of him going, yeah, David, you're great, David. Go on, David. <laughs> it's like that old Bill Bailey skit where he's talking about the the uh, America and the UK with their special relationship and America's bullying the world going, give us your sweets. And England just turn around the back and go, yeah. That's basically <laughs> I, their relationship. I, I think actually, didn't Futcher step in when they had the little set two at the end of the game? And I, I like the way that it's Flickcroft that says there was a bit of afters as if, you know, he's kind of come away from the night out going, yeah, there was a bit of trouble night, but I came out of it. And then you've got Danny and Nicky who have barely said anything. And it, I don't know, it makes an amusing little segment on the podcast. But for me, I think we've just dedicated six minutes to a man who, to be honest, I haven't thought about since we stopped talking about him last time out. So, um, but I mean, while we're on the subject of, of kind of people that we're not overly keen on, um, you're a reader of my uh, my blog, right, Ben? I am indeed, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um over the summer, we did a, a kind of a Stacey West best ever 11 and people got to vote on the best players they'd ever seen play for Lincoln and it was great and everything was positive. And, and then I realised that in actual fact, the real meat and bones are, are around the worst 11, the worst players we've ever seen because they're the ones that invoke the real passion. It's easy to get talk superlatives over Peter Gain or, or whoever, but when you start talking about some of the... And I'll be sweary, Gary, for a minute, when you start getting into the real shit of it and looking at those players who should never have worn red and white. That's when you get some real interesting stuff. So I've launched this Absolutely. week an opportunity to vote for the worst ever 11, starting with goalkeepers. Um, mm-hmm. So Ben, over to you. Who's the worst goalkeeper that you've ever seen in a Lincoln City shirt? Bruce Grobelar. I think um, it was a, it was a comedy signing. It was a, you know, it was a, it was a gimmick signing. Um, and I think he played what three games for us, if that. Two. Yeah. So you know the fact that he played two games and then wandered off, and he didn't really do anything special in those games. But it was just one of the most bizarre signings I think I can ever remember as making. Um, yeah, he gets my vote um, for, for sure. I mean, I think one of the uh, one of the saving graces of, of having um, a little bit of a hiatus, uh, you know, a little bit of a time in exile was that i i only really remember um a, a few keepers uh obviously the, the the main keeper that i had for for the longest time in my uh you know in my memories was was alan marriott um and then 
I think it was a bit sort of, well, there, there wasn't really too many changes after that, but um, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking through some of the comments on the, uh, on the blog. And I think the, the biggest one um, that I, I do actually remember now I'm looking at it was uh, Simon Brown, 97, 98. Um, we, we conceded five against Peterborough away from home and that was it. That was his only game for Lincoln. We went one um, up in that game as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think personally from, from my point of view, um, Grobelar is, is the one, um, the, the shining light in that whole scenario, I'll say the shining light, the, the positive in that scenario is that I, um, uh, around that time, um, I think I can't remember when it was that you signed what month and everything, but around then my mum was actually, uh, looking to get a birthday present for me. So she got me like, a a fan book of Lincoln city with like a, a fixture list and all sorts and everything in it with like pictures of the players. And she actually managed to get it signed by the whole squad, including Mr. Grobbler. Cause I think she was there. Uh, she popped in around the two weeks that he played for us. Um, but yeah, that's literally the only positive that I can remember from, uh, from Grobbler's time with us. Uh, what about yourself? Who, who would you well, pick? Just touching on Grobbler first of all, to clear up some of the, uh, the details. He did play twice for us. He kept a clean sheet at home against Colchester. Um, and then he had an absolute stinker, lost 4-1 away at Wickham. Didn't play for us again. Didn't play for anybody again. That was his last appearance in professional football in England. Um, and he's 60 years old now, Bruce Grobler. 60 years old. Yeah. That means he could retire. And he probably could on the number of brown envelopes he received, allegedly, uh, <laughs> through his career. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, look, for me... I'll confess, actually, when we drew nil nil with Colchester, um, I was off. I was off chasing skirt in uh, in Newport in Shropshire that weekend. It was the only it was the only game I missed all season, uh, and I'd had my eyebrow pierced. We'd played Fulham a couple of weeks beforehand in the league, and I had my eyebrow pierced, and uh, it had grown over. It had gone scabby um, because I'd, I'd worn the poacher head with this eyebrow piercing in, uh, and I went and met this girl with one eye completely closed over by a scab. Um, and we went out uh, on this date in Newport and she met somebody else. And all three of us went back to the house, <laughs> which was one of the most awkward things ever. And that was when I got back on teletext. It was, I found out withdrawn. So I never saw Grobble our play, so I can't vote for him. Um, I'm going to say Elliot Parrish. And I know that some people will say, oh yeah, but Parrish was young and he, he was thrown in at the deep end and you know, he should never have been exposed to that. Yeah, that's all well and good, but he was still the worst goalkeeper I've seen play for Lincoln City. Um, he fumbled his way through those last few games. I mean, yeah, there was so much more wrong with the club than just the, the baby-faced keeper in goal. And you know, I'm, not, I'm not blaming him for relegation at all, but I am blaming him for six goals against Rotherham when it perhaps should have been four. Four goals against Gillingham when it perhaps should have been two. Um, Cheltenham didn't yeah. played on the Easter Monday. He, he was just terrible. He couldn't command his area. He had errors in him all the time. Um, he should never have been put out there. There's as much Steve Tilson's fault for hanging him out to dry and leaving Joe Anion on the bench. Um, but yeah, Parrish for me was was just utterly useless. And, you know, special mention to Brown. I think another comment I've heard is special mention to Matthew Ghent. Um now, I'll defend Ghent because he did make a howler that, that lost us the, an FA Cup tie by letting the ball go through his legs. But as I said yesterday, as he made that howler, they were announcing over the tannoy that Matthew Ghent had got man of the match in what looked like was going to be a nil-nil draw. Um, don't think he played again. I, <laughs> I mean, he might have played for um, one of Her Majesty's prisons because I think he went down for attacking a girlfriend after he left Lincoln. So, 
Oh. But, yeah, I've, I've seen some people um, nominate Paul Farman, and that absolutely makes my blood boil. Yeah, no, just don't give him the time of day. I think it's it, it's things like that. It's like they've, people have got very, very short memories. Um, and I think, you know, if you're going to sit there and say, yes, the keeper that helped us get out of the National League is, uh, you know, and that was the longest serving player in the club for the very, you know, and until recently was, was only being kept out of our team by a very, very good goalkeeper. I think, uh, you've, you know, you need to probably sit and take a look at yourself. Um, I think Paul Farman was excellent when, you know, when he came into his own, I think the you know, the fact that uh, he, he grew as a player. Um, I didn't see too much of him before the last sort of three, four years. And I think um, <clears throat> when, it, you know, when you see him initially, didn't, maybe he wasn't the best player in the world, but the fact that he came on and, you know, he had a personality about him and he he was, if somebody said to me, you know, can you sum up like a player at Lincoln City during the, uh, the, the National League winning season? You'd probably point to Paul Farman and say, there you go. You know, he's, he's, He's not necessarily the most technically gifted person in the entire world, but he's got the personality, he's got the heart, he's got the spirit and desire to to push through and and make it, you know, make himself a success. And that's yeah. exactly what he did. Yeah, and also he didn't place bets on himself to get booked in the FA Cup. He just went out and uh, and put in a, a man of the match performance against Arsenal in the quarter final. So, see, to- I thought I was going to have to put a content warning on this because of uh, you know because of potential swearing after the Crawley game, but I've calmed down, but now I might have to put a content warning on it for, uh, you know, a trigger warning. For libel. For yeah. libel. <laughs> the thing is, when I'm when I'm writing a blog, I can kind of read something back through and go, ooh, that's a little bit near the knuckle. But but now I'm kind of under pressure a little bit, you know, with a microphone and a pause and thinking I've got to fill it with something. I just seem to keep coming out with madly outlandish comments. You know, I was talking about Moses <laughs> Swaybu's chicken and Delroy Facey's betting ring soon, won't I as well? No, I don't. Oh dear! Um, yeah. Just in- incidentally, um, one thing that I this is good practice for. I'm actually going to be appearing on one of our rivals' shows, possibly not the podcast, um, but I've been invited into Radio Lincolnshire this weekend. Oh, fair enough. Make sure you get some plugs in. That, that's what I'm thinking because normally when I go in, I've got something to plug, be it a book or a magazine or an award. That I've been, you know, for the website or something and i've literally got nothing to plug so i'm just kind of thinking i'm going to go in there and go yep stacy west podcast I'll, I'll see how many times i can drop the word stacy west podcasting i'll tell you what i'll see if i can drop in at some point uh my podcast co-host ben thinks and uh and see if i can drop an opinion of yours in somewhere oh that'd be amazing but, we, no, should, we should uh, we should talk off air and try and come up with something that you've got to slip into the interview like they do in, uh, you know, like they used to with uh, Oasis songs and stuff like that on BBC. Yeah, I think so. But the thing is, this goes out Thursday and I'm on Friday and I know Rob Mainpiece, yeah. he's, he's probably a listener of our podcast. So um, I, I, you know, next time I've got something to plug, I do still want to be able to go on. Maybe it'll be my master <laughs> talk in another 15 years time or something like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that is probably going to do us. Um, I am starting to to somewhat rapidly lose my voice now. So um, I think it's a fair point to wrap up. Um, as Gary said, go and uh, check out the blog for the search for the worst ever Imps 11. Um, starting off with the goalkeepers, go and leave a comment. Tweet us. Uh, I am at Winstano and we've got at Stacey West blog. Um, I think, to be honest, that's probably going to do us. Um, don't really need to plug anything this week. Uh, Gary, do you, you got anything you want to plug? 
No, other than um, your parents already in Lincolnshire. Yeah, yeah, I've already plugged that. I mean, I, I just to let some, I know some of the listeners have, have probably have dropped a little mention about my mascot book there. It's been 15 years in the writing and I know that some people have been waiting for it for six or seven. Um, I am looking at releasing it by June next year. I'm just working on it again now. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's not really a plug. It's just to let people know that, it's just some, another reason for me to grow fat in my chair. Okay, well, as I say, that's going to do us. Thank you for joining us, guys, and we'll see you next week. It's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.